0: across Kansas on the GameDay Radio Network and worldwide at PowerCatGameDay.com. K-State fans, it's time.
1: Looks over that Kansas State defense.
2: There's the snap. Looking middle. Now pressure. Goes down! He goes down on the Wildcats. Sack him! It's Felix and Udike Usama with a minute 44 to go!
0: Wildcat Nation, welcome to Powercat Game Day.
2: Oh, the Wildcats block it! The ball is picked up at the 8-yard line and the Cats are going to score! Touchdown, Kansas State! There's a handoff and Deuce straight ahead. Deuce in the open! Here he goes. He's at the 30, to the 20, to the house, the deuce is loose, touchdown Kansas State, it's 13 0
0: Orcad Game Day is powered by Prairie Land Partners, your
2: local John Deere headquarters for sales, parts, and service with 15 locations throughout Kansas. Online at prairielandpartners.com Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center. Don't get stuck on the bench with a sports injury. Get back in the game with the same doctors trusted by Kansas State University. Online at kansasortho.com The McCain Performance Series. Bringing the best to the Flint Hills and Broadway, music, theater, family shows, and comedy. Kids under 17 always have price. Get your tickets online today and beds for less manhattan's leader in low price high quality mattresses offering the largest selection of in-stock name brand mattresses
0: the biggest pre show in the big 12 starts wildcat fans this is powercat game day
3: it's time for conference play for k-state football but the narrative of this first conference game has drastically changed after the week three performance against tulane where K-State had a tough time moving the football consistently. Adrian Martinez not throwing the football down the field, taking chances, not finding those open receivers. And K-State now 2-1 after non-conference play after a 17-10 loss at Bill Snyder Family Stadium to Tulane. Welcome to PowerCat Game Day. My name is Mitch Fortner. I'm joined once again by my two co-hosts from the Three Mile Podcast. We have Cole Manbeck, who was a former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury, and also Derek Young with K-State Online. And it's the same talking point, gentlemen, that we have started the show out with ever since game number one against South Dakota. But it's more drastic this time around Adrian Martinez, where we were like, well, Once we see the playbook open back up and we see Adrian start to let loose, maybe we'll feel better about his throwing ability in this one season with K-State, but we'll start out with Derek Young. Adrian Martinez has still not proven that he is capable of throwing the football down the field, but it looks like more of a mental thing.
4: Yeah, it's a lot different this week than it has been in any other week. In week one, you had the... You know, the potential excuse of that they kept a lot back just because it was South Dakota and Missouri was the following game. Against Missouri, you had the excuse that they were practically playing in a monsoon. So opening it up and throwing the ball was probably not the you know the best way to go about things. Missouri tried that and they threw four interceptions on four consecutive drives. So there was logical excuses and justifications for the first two weeks. There was not in the third week and and really his hesitation and his tentativeness is was one of the contributors not all of them one of the contributors to the offense just sputtering at a you know crazy level and all uh, in all likely in all honesty um just they really had no vertical threat because of that the defense was able to gather how predictable the offense was and stack the box and make it difficult to run so they just had Nothing working on the offensive end because of Adrian Martinez being unwilling to stretch the field from a vertical sense. And another reason why it's different now, too, and I'm sure we'll get into it, is Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein are for the first time giving it oxygen that he needs to be more aggressive, that he is being too careful, that the pendulum has swung back too much the other way, and he is being too cautious.
5: I had urged patience through the first two games because of many of the circumstances that D.Y. just outlined. But at this point, after the two-lane game, the concerns are very much warranted, and it seems like it's a problem. And I don't know how they fix it. I don't know if those conversations that the staff had with Adrian Martinez get through to him at this point, but should have seen it on film after the first couple of games and urged things to change. And, and the fact that he couldn't cut it loose against the two-lane defense that ranked 114th in pass efficiency D last year um, and averaged only 4.5, 4.4 yards for pass attempt against the green wave and looked the way that he did, It's very much concerning. You know, he just checked it down repeatedly where it looked like that was his first read. And it's all very much hard to explain because you look at Adrian Martinez at Nebraska just last year in 2021, he ranked seventh in the country in both yards for pass attempt at 9.4 yards per attempt and seventh best in the country at yards per completion at over 15 yards per completed pass. Yet this year, he's currently averaging 4.5 yards per pass attempt, which is 116th. In the country, and only 7.6 yards per completion, which is 120th out of 121 qualified FBS quarterbacks in yards per completion. I mean, the numbers have basically split in half um, this year from last year.
3: And you could also argue, I mean, for the offense, everybody, there there really wasn't one person that had a good day, you would say. The blocking just wasn't there from the offensive line. I saw a lack of effort from the wide receivers in their blocking. It all added up to just a complete lack of success offensively. And Cole, what really showed that was the lack of success when he added all up on third and fourth down. They weren't converting much. I thought K-State
5: came out flat, especially on the offensive side of the football, and I didn't think there was a lot of focus there, and you could you could make that determination when you saw all the pre-snap penalties that occurred just in the first couple of drives of the game. Now, I'm not saying the defense was flat. They played well, but two or three offsides, jumping, nose tackle, jumping right over the ball, uh, jumping offsides, offensive line having a couple of false starts as well early on, and you know, really, I, I just thought the offensive line got bullied in that game, and it's, it was inexcusable how much they struggled. It wasn't just the offensive line. I mean, I know D.Y. watched this game multiple times on rewatch and mentioned the tight ends, the fullback, you name it, the receivers, everybody struggled blocking. And and some of it was an effort issue. Some of it was miscommunication. And a lot of it was Tulane playing excellent defense and making one-on-one tackles in space. I mean, let's give Tulane some credit. They played very well defensively. But K-State's offensive line has to be able to get some push even in third and ones, fourth and ones, even when Tulane's stacking the box and taking away the running game, that's nothing new that we've seen from teams trying to do that to Kansas State over the years. And they still get that yard or two that they need. K-State's offensive line failed on Saturday against the Green Wave and and did not get much push. And that resulted in the 3 of 20 mark on third downs. And and that's a problem. I mean, K-State is currently 118th in the country on third and fourth down conversions. They're 15 of 52 on the year, which is 29%. The
4: third and... Fourth down, short yard situations. That was just a repeat of the Texas game all over again.
3: Yeah, and Courtney Messingham losing his job after that. It also reminded me of the, the season opener two years ago against Arkansas State, where K State converted one third down the entire ball game. But hey, guess who is on the docket? Who's on the schedule the next game? Oklahoma, and that is the opponent tonight. But also offensively, I mean, there was also a part of the second half where you're missing your best player. And that's Deuce Vaughn, who went in the locker room cr- cramping, but I'll get your thought on this, D.Y., that, I mean, really, is the identity of this offense right now is that you have one guy, Deuce Vaughn.
4: That is. That, that's the problem. I've actually described the offense multiple times throughout the week as almost, at, at least to this point. And, and, and it's been that way for sometimes the last two years, but definitely this year. It's just a hope and a prayer that Deuce Vaughn breaks loose and gets you a big explosive play and kind of bails you out. That's what this offense is right now. There's no other way to describe it. And when he was in the locker room, it made matters worse. But I'll be honest, it wasn't a whole lot different when he was on the field Saturday. That was the difference. Um, he, he's cramping and all this, but even when he was at his best, there was just no room. Because even when it's, when it's not short yardage situations, I agree with Cole. When it's a short yard situation, third and two, fourth and two, it doesn't matter how many people are in that box. The, the offensive line has to present a push um, to convert that uh, third or fourth and short. But when it's first down, second down, with plenty of yards to go, and there's no space to operate, that makes life difficult for Deuce Vaughn. It doesn't matter if that's Bijan Robinson, Barry Sanders, Deuce Vaughn, they're not getting the yards.
3: Now, before we wrap up our first segment, we might not get much time in the show to praise. The defense. The defense is good. We know that. They definitely have a matchup, an interesting one against the Oklahoma offense. But Cole, going back to the two lane matchup, I thought the defense actually kind of got thrown under the bus on Tuesday. I felt defense was good enough. They gave the offense of K-State plenty of opportunities to go win that football game. They did so much for the offense.
5: Yeah, I think it's only natural, it seems like, given Chris Kleinman's defensive background, that he tends to be harder on the defense in his postgame comments with what he says and at the Tuesday press conference. You know, he did it after the Baylor game last year, I believe, when K-State held Baylor to 20 points in their worst offensive performance of the year. And it, it wasn't on the defense, but he had mentioned after that game they had to be better on third down defense. It wasn't good enough when the offense only produced 10 points. And obviously, here we are again. Offense produces 10 points against Tulane, It's unfortunate because the defense is what kept K State in that game. But when you keep getting put in awful situations like they did on Saturday, three and out, you know, K State turning it over on downs four different times, getting Tulane on the field at midfield a couple of different occasions in that heat and in that sun, it's a lot to ask for them to keep coming up with stops. I mean, K State's defense held Tulane to one of 12 on third down. So we talk about K-State struggles on third down offensively, but look what K-State's defense did to Tulane. K-State's defense forces two more interceptions. Uh, Daniel Green sets the offense in golden position with an interception down to the 23-yard line for an opportunity to score. Offense can't capitalize with six, which happened multiple times against Missouri as well coming off turnovers. So yeah, it's they can't blame the defense right now. The defense is playing lights out. They're third in the country in pass efficiency defense They're 20th in the country in yards per play allowed um, and top 20 in the country in yards per carry allowed. I mean, they're playing solid all around, especially the secondary, the linebackers, the D-line, everybody you name. They they played really good football. And, you know, eventually this offense is going to have to pick things up for them um, so that K-State can have a good season. Because it would be a shame to squander such a good defense that the Wildcats have.
3: There's no doubt the hype about this game has changed since the loss to Tulane. It is a seven o'clock kickoff between three and and0 Oklahoma, who's ranked six in the country, two and one K State. And coming up later in this first hour, we're going to hear from Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman, who will help us out with the opponent spotlight. But when we come back, I mean, he has dominated the headlines with the last lack of success and really lack thereof of throwing the ball down the field. We will hear from K State quarterback Adrian Martinez. Up next on PowerCat Game Day. Getting you set for all the action. This is PowerCat Game Day.
2: Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center offers innovative, cutting-edge physical therapy from blood flow restriction rehabilitation, dry needling, DARI-A biochemical movement analysis, fall prevention, and return to sport. OSMC Physical Therapy has over 75 years of combined treatment experience and deliver a successful and positive outcome while making the rehabilitation process pleasant and enjoyable. At Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Physical Therapy, no referrals are needed to schedule your therapy appointment. For more information, visit us at kansasortho.com. Land Partners has made it easy for you to shop online. Choose your equipment, pick
1: attachments, and even apply for financing all at jdbuyonline.com. Whether you're looking for a John Deere riding lawnmower, compact utility tractor, utility vehicle, or compact construction equipment, Land Partners has what you need to get the job done. Get started shopping today at jdbuyonline.com.
0: Delivering the right solution, Prairieland Partners. Cat Game Day forecast.
3: Well, today in Manhattan, it is a comfortable fall day with a high in the low 80s. We're going to be dropping to the mid-50s tonight, but the Cats are on the road for the first time this season, so Norman, Oklahoma... It's just a tad bit hotter as highs reaching in the mid-90s. Game time temperature should be in the upper 80s, but it will cool down tonight in Norman around uh, the upper 60s. The Powercat Game Day forecast is brought to you by Outlington Insurance. Feel like family? Not just a number. Call Outlington Insurance for home, auto, renters, and business insurance. They know insurance, so you don't have to. Welcome back to PowerCat Game Day. Mitch Fortner with Cole Manbank and Derek Young, both from the 3 Ma podcast. Now, we're about to hear from Adrian Martinez here in just a moment, but for the offensive coordinator of K-State, Colin Klein, this was his first real true battle dealing with adversity as the uh, the OC. And we saw the lack of success, like we mentioned in the last segment, and third and fourth down going a combined three of 20. But I'd love to get your opinion from both of you on this topic. First with adversity, Colin Klein trying to call plays and get out of this offensive slump that they had all game long against Tulane, which they lost 17-10. to 10. We'll start with uh, D.Y. here. Did you have any issues with the play calling from Colin Klein?
4: As a whole, I did not... I think there is singular plays where you can pick apart that I probably definitely would have done something differently, especially I felt like you got a little shovel pass happy there for a minute as well. And, and just some of the, uh, the throws coming up short, but some of that I think is on the players. I mean, he's just, didn't have a whole lot of options at his disposal. I realize there's times where Ben Sennett probably stretched out wide too much that people don't like and, and they see some of these checkdowns and they probably think that's the initial read. That surely doesn't feel like it should be the initial read and I don't think Colin Klein's going to dial up something where a checkdown is the initial read. So I, I think he's being hampered a little bit by his personnel. When you're when you're not blocking on really any play, there's not a good play call that'll work. When you're not forcing the, the action on an option play, it's not going to work. It it felt like he did a multitude of different things and nothing was working. So while I thought it could have been better, it was far from his best day. I just don't know if there's actually, not that his calls were good, but I don't know if there's any alternatives that would have been better either.
5: Well, he he certainly could have been helped by Adrian Martinez making some of the reads downfield to your point, DY, making some of those throws and stretching the field. There's only so much an offensive coordinator can do and his quarterback's got to execute on some of those and he was kind of at his hands tied when Adrian Martinez would not throw the ball downfield on several different occasions when there were some guys that were popping open and your offensive line is not playing a very good football game either so you know they're not helping him and picking up some of those third and fourth and short situations as well but I mean I could certainly handpick several plays that I was not a fan of I'll just say in general I think they had Mitch three fourth downs where they maybe needed a yard now a couple of them may have been a long yard but there was only one time where they ran a quarterback sneak in that situation and not shocking, they got the yard and got the first down. Of all the people that would understand running a quarterback sneak in a third or fourth and short situation, it should be Colin Klein. You know, the frustration last year was when Courtney Messingham kept running speed option and running wildcat with Deuce Vaughn in that Texas game when they couldn't pick up third and fourth and shorts. Everybody was saying, well, give the offensive coordinator job to Colin Klein. He would sure know to run a quarterback sneak in that situation. And yet we see, once again, them not lining up in a quarterback sneak, but rather in shotgun. That really bothered me. Just get under center, get the yard, get the first down, That disappointed me. And I would say, you know, at the end of the first half, that drive, eventually they did scheme up a play that probably would have worked for a touchdown if Adrian Martinez lets the throw go to Malik Knowles in the end zone with about five seconds left. He didn't. But the plays leading up to that, they were baffling a little bit to me. They had two timeouts, 28 seconds left when they got the ball at the 23-yard line. And the very first play they ran was a qb design run, which is going to end up burning a timeout in all likelihood with that much time. I, I just, I didn't like that you ran the ball on first down there because you're guaranteeing you're going to burn a timeout and leave yourself with one with 20 or so seconds left. And then the shovel passes, D.Y. mentioned on that drive, they, they ran another shovel pass to burn a timeout too. Uh, didn't understand some of those calls. But in general, I mean, there's going to be some growing pains. Uh, but it's time now. You're a quarter of the way through the season. They got to start to coach it out of him. and, and Collins, the quarterback coach, too, so he's got to unlock Adrian Martinez and get him to throw the ball downfield.
3: Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. There's not much more I can add to that. What I did think about, though, is we heard the boos. There were boos from the fans at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, especially the loudest ones right at the end of the game for the offense, their last possession, but the second to last play, there was clearly a miscommunication by Adrian Martinez and the wide receivers. Somebody made a mistake, and Adrian quickly threw it out of bounds over the head of Cade Warner, but also the very last play for the offense. Adrian's got to execute. He's got to make that pitch and let Deuce Vaughn fight for that first down to keep K-State's hopes alive to hopefully tie the game against the Tulane Green Wave. But that does now lead us to our player interview for the weekend. It is with quarterback Adrian Martinez, his nickname 9AM, and it's brought to you by Becker Auto Trailers and Campers. Wanting to pay less and still be treated the best, shot Becker Auto's Trailers and Camper Super Center in Beloit over 10 acres of inventory. Her- in for the 2022 model year clearance on new campers or shop 24 7 at beckerados.com the first question asked by the media just at that point in time how did adrian martinez feel about his game on saturday against tulane
6: similar to how i felt after the game you know really missed on some opportunities i think collectively and, and individually and uh, a lot we can learn from but you know i said it out there you know the sky is not falling um, all of our goals and aspirations are, are still on the horizon for us and uh you know this team's confident going into this week
4: what's the number one priority for this week
6: execution you know hammering the details and um i'd say the way we bounced back yesterday the way we are continuing to bounce back today. I think our guys are, are coming out aggressive and with high energy. Is there more added
5: juice for this week just simply because you're coming off of a loss?
6: I think every week this team's got juice. And, uh, you know, obviously it's the start of our Big 12 schedule. It's uh, Oklahoma this week. So, you know, I think naturally there might be a little bit more.
5: And then you personally, you played in Norman last year. Um, having that understanding of what it's going to be like, you feel like maybe you can be a leader for some of the guys on the offense path and
6: played there? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, uh, I wouldn't say that's necessarily our mindset. I think Oklahoma is a good enough team in and of itself to not worry about the atmosphere as much. Um, but, yeah, for sure, you know, guys ask, and I do have that experience, so I think it helps.
7: How much differently would you say your playing style has been in three games came Kansas State compared to all the games you played in Nebraska?
6: You know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's been different, but it's a tough question, you know. Uh, I think that's something that I'm continuing to find myself, find myself in this offense, and uh, I feel like I've continued to grow more comfortable, and I think more of that will emerge as, as time comes.
7: I had some other guys on the team say they feel like there's nothing to lose this week. Let's go out and you know be as aggressive as possible, stuff like that. Is that kind of
6: your mentality here? Yeah, I think having an aggressive mindset is good and, and something that our offense and Team collectively has going into this week, and you know, I, I said it at the beginning, but all of our goals and aspirations are still ahead of us, and uh, this team is still really confident in, in what we can do.
7: Coach mentioned that you maybe have swung too far towards being conservative offensively. How difficult is it to transition back to being more aggressive?
6: I guess you could say for like a term maybe. I say it's a fine line, you know, and, and something that we're definitely walking right now, and something I am as well as, as a player. Um, and the question we just had, I think transitioning a little bit more to an Aggressive mindset and uh, not being afraid to go out there and, and make plays. You know you might make mistakes but to be aggressive and, and go get the ball in some guys hands. What are those conversations been like
7: with Coach Klein and Coach Kleinman about just like, pushing the ball downfield if those opportunities are presented?
6: Yeah you know something I, I appreciate a lot about Coach Kleinman and Coach Klein is they're incredibly transparent. They'll be honest with you, they're very genuine and you have a great idea of what the expectations are. So going back and watching film of Tulane and, and moving forward I think that expectation is pretty clear and and uh, knowing when to be more aggressive and when not to be.
7: When you get into a third and short, fourth and short, what would you say is your favorite type of play to call in uh, that situation?
6: I think it just depends. You know, it depends what the defense uh, has given us and and that team's kind of identity. And I think for us, um, we have a multitude of things we can get to. And whether that's just a straight hardball run, whether it's a QB sneak, uh, for me, I just want to get the first down.
7: You haven't gone against Oklahoma last year, changed a lot, New coaching staff, new playing style, is there anything you can take from that game like when you watch them on film now and say they're similar or are they just so different that it doesn't matter?
6: From a scheme standpoint they're totally different so can't really take away that. I will say having played in the atmosphere I think that helps me, helps me go in there with some confidence and um, with some returning starters and things like that but uh, in general they're different team now under different uh, coach, different schemes, so I'm not necessarily banking on that game from a scheme point advantage.
7: What is your process as a quarterback whenever you lose a game? How long do you take to look back and you know assess it versus how quickly do you move on?
6: Yeah, I I like the 24-hour rule. Um, you know, 24 hours either to to be happy or to mourn, you know, to be sad, whatever, uh, whether it's win or loss. And really that Sunday you spend watching the game over and over, seeing what adjustments you can make, seeing what Coach Klein's notes are, seeing that we're on the same page, what could have I done differently? And then it's on to Oklahoma. So um, I think that process is the same, regardless of win or loss, or at least I try and keep it that way.
7: Were there a lot of plays that felt one block away from being good
6: ones? Yeah, I would say maybe it's not one block, maybe it was one decision, by me maybe it was one cut here maybe it was this or that but um, I'd say in general yeah you know everyone uh, at times had their turn and we didn't execute as well as we should have.
4: Was there something they threw at you that you hadn't expected, as far as on the defensive line or?
6: Um, you know, I wouldn't say not expected. Uh, I think our coaches did a great job of preparing us. I think our players did a great job of preparing. Uh, but they're a really solid front, really solid team, and and they were aggressive and did a nice job of, of mixing things up, um, kind of going against some of their tendencies and uh, i think they did a good job with their scheme
3: we had to a break on power cat game day still to come in hour one the big 12 huddle and roberts world but when we come back opponent spotlight we take our first look at the oklahoma sooners with ryan aber from the oklahoman power cat game day brought to you by the mccain performance series bringing the best to the flint hills in broadway music theater family shows and comedy kids under 17 always at price get your tickets online today PowerCat Game Day continues
0: after the break. Stream PowerCat Game Day live four hours before every game online at PowerCatGameDay.com. More PowerCat Game Day continues next.
2: No matter if your flight is departing or arriving, travel is more convenient when you fly local with Manhattan Regional Airport. Connect to anywhere in the world with five daily flights to Dallas and Chicago. Plus, by booking your next flight through Manhattan Regional Airport, you'll spend less time driving, saving you both gas and time. Why spend hours on the road when you can spend more time at your destination? Or more importantly, getting home quicker to the ones you love. It's time for you to enjoy the convenience of flying local. Book your next flight today at flymhk.com.
3: The challenge flag has been thrown. It's taken the ref a long time to review the play. This may not be good. Oh, wait. Here he comes. Al Langton Insurance can save them hundreds of dollars.
2: No penalty, but we highly recommend them see Robbie or Kate today for a quote.
1: Has it been a while since you've had your insurance reviewed? Give Al Langton Insurance a call today for auto, renters, or homeowners. Al Langton Insurance. They know insurance, so you don't have to. 776-4091
3: or on the web at LangtonINS.com. And don't forget to like them on Facebook. We roll on with PowerCat Game Day. Mitch Fortner along with Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. The opponent tonight, the Oklahoma Sooners, ranked number six in the country. First road matchup for the Cats taking place from Gaylord Family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Again, 7 o'clock is the kickoff. Looking at the series history, it's been dominated by Oklahoma. 77 wins for the Sooners, 21 for the Cats, and there have been four draws. 103rd meeting all time. K-State did lose to the Sooners in Manhattan last year who were ranked 6th in the country, 37-31. But K-State, another 9, 37-3 against Oklahoma in Norman. This will be the 50th meeting all time in Norman. K-State 3-2 and two in the last five meetings against the Sooners, winning in 2012, 14-20. And down late in the third quarter, K-State won in 2020 by the final score of 38 38- to 35 but Oklahoma now has a new head coach in Brent Venables and it's time to take a look at the Sooners for the first time in Powercat game day as it's time for our opponent spotlight with Ryan Aber beat writer for the Oklahoman Oklahoma gets the big win in Lincoln 49-14, and uh, I'm sure it was a very fun day for Sooner fans just blowing out Nebraska on their home turf. But you mentioned in an article, like the offense was far from perfect. They didn't exactly come up all roses. So for Oklahoma's offense against Nebraska, what was the good and what was maybe not so good about it?
1: Well, the good, first of all, they mostly avoided turnovers, did have their first one of the season really late in the game when the game was already uh, out of control. The offensive line played a whole lot better and more consistently than it had through the first couple of games. Clearly, Wanyan Morris's addition up there was a big part of that. But also, McCabe McTower played his best game of the year at guard and just really felt like that group started to come together. And then they were able to run the ball effectively, uh, really from the start, with Eric Gray especially, able to put up another big day. So th- those are the good things. Not so good things. Dylan Gabriel wasn't quite as sharp as he'd been over the first couple of games. Still had solid numbers there uh, and-, and was able to avoid interceptions. The good thing for him is that even the ones that were off the mark weren't in places that were going to be intercepted, The finish 16-27, 230 yards, a couple touchdowns. Wasn't quite as crisp as he'd been. A little bit of both, but you know, when you have a day where you can point out several things that didn't go perfectly for you on offense, and still 449 49 points. That's a, a, a pretty solid performance, for sure.
3: Ryan, you mentioned that Dalen Gabriel, quarterback of the Sooners, maybe wasn't exactly dialed in completely for this game against Nebraska, but through three games, has he been fine? Yeah, I, I think so.
1: Certainly, he's come through these first three games uh, looking pretty well. Now, he is not the flashy kind of player that OU has gotten used to playing at quarterback. He's not Baker Mayfield, he's not Kyla Murray or even Jalen Hurts, or heck even Caleb William, but pre-accurate. He avoids dumb passes, lack of a better word to say it, but he doesn't have the the overwhelming arm strength or anything that's just going to make your jaw drop, but really solid all around. We saw him finally show a little bit of uh, what he can do with his leg on Saturday, too, with that 61-yard touchdown run. That's not going to be the norm for him to take off on a lot of runs, but when they need it, they can uh, have that in their back pocket.
3: That wide receiver, I mean, there's going to be names that K-State fans will recognize. Marvin Men's, of course, the OE, Drake Stoops even, uh, still being productive there for the Oklahoma offense. You mentioned to me like five or six weeks ago when we previewed Oklahoma, you're looking for somebody to really take that number one spot at the running back position. Has Eric Gray settled into that spot?
1: Yeah, it really looks like he has. There were questions about whether he would be able to be an every down kind of back. He's starting to answer that and show some more abilities to uh, uh, be – a productive runner, even when he's not in just a lot of space. Now, clearly he's best when he is working in space and you can take advantage of his speed, his elusiveness. That's when they try to get him involved in the passing game uh, quite a bit as well. But he's performed as well as they could have hoped through these first three weeks. And, you know, Marcus Major has really sort of uh, solidified his, his hold on that number two spot, showing his ability to run with power in between the tackles, especially. They got him involved in the passing game the other day with a touchdown pass from tight end Braden Willis uh, with a little uh, trick play there. But uh, and then Javante Barnes, the freshman, who I think I mentioned when we were talking a few weeks ago, um, he is uh, had his best game: thirteen carries, seventy-seven yards. Got some opportunities early in the game. I think he'll continue to get to some of those chances. So they they feel really good about their group of running backs. Uh, right now here through the first three games
3: eric ray right now 286 on the ground on 37 carries a couple of touchdowns averaging 7.7 yards per carry also looking to fill holes on the offensive line the o-line looking pretty good
1: uh yeah they they were really inconsistent over those first couple games struggled especially early in the kansas state game i mentioned mccade McTower, the uh the, the guard transfer from cal he had struggled a little bit in his first couple games but They really performed well on Saturday in Nebraska. The addition of uh, Wanya Morris up there at uh, one of the tackle spots, he had missed the first couple of games with some off-the-field issues. He uh, didn't start but slid in there pretty early and played the majority of the game. And It seemed like once he came in, that line really settled in and uh, performed really well. Now, we'll see. Uh, how they uh, do against Kansas State this weekend and against these uh defensive lines that they're going to face early in Big 12 play because Nebraska's defense is really struggling and has struggled all year. But you certainly saw some encouraging signs for Bill Bedenboe's group of getting back to where they were uh, a couple of years ago when they were, uh, you know, one of the most dominant offensive lines around.
3: Ryan Aber, Sooners beat writer for the Oklahoma, is our guest. Let's now look at the defense. Uh, Brent Venables, clearly, he's one of the best defensive guys you'll find in college football, of course. But how different does his defense this year look compared to last year's defense?
1: Uh, just night and day. You see the physicality, the aggressiveness, the uh, the way that the playbook is opened up. You know their, their pressure the last couple of years has become a little bit predictable under Alex Grinch, and that's certainly not the case with Brent Venables. They've got guys flying around uh, from all angles, and it really can confuse an offense, especially when you've got a defense that has that system uh, down pad. And, and certainly to this point, they've shown uh, no indication that they don't. It's just even with uh, probably a little bit lesser talent than they had a year ago, when you think about the guys that they lost, especially up front with uh, Isaiah Thomas and Perry on Winfrey and Nick Benito, uh, Brian Osamoa, uh, they are able to be a much more effective defense uh, just just because of the system that Brent Venables brings, but also the way that they've run it uh, to this point. And uh, you know they feel really good about their defensive ends, especially Reggie Grimes, who's put up stack numbers already, eclipsing uh, uh, his uh, career. Uh, numbers coming into the season in his first two years, and then uh, Ethan Downs on the other side. So, um, you know, they're they're really happy with the way that this defense has performed uh, so far, and the way that they've reacted when when things haven't gone their way a little
3: bit. Looking through Oklahoma's game notes, the defensive numbers, tackles for loss, sacks, red zone defense, yards per play, scoring defense. I mean, you're talking all numbers, top 15 nationally right now for the Oklahoma Sooners. So I, I noticed in the game against Nebraska, Deshaun White, who is at that cheetah position, it's that hybrid position, you know, need to stop the run, but also stop the pass type of player, uh, linebacker slot corner. He was ejected for targeting. And then we saw Jared Kanik, come in the game, he was the number one recruit out of the state of Kansas for the 2022 recruiting class, and he was really good. Ten tackles, he led the team. Do you think his role is going to become much greater, potentially, starting with this K-State game?
1: Yeah, I think it's got a chance to. Now, I, you know, they still really like what Deshaun White brings, and I think he's going to play the majority of the game, but Jaron Tannock with what he was able to show in his first really extended action on Saturday, was really encouraging for... Uh, the rest of his season for his future to see, you know, you still saw some of that those, those freshman mistakes, was a little over-aggressive at times, missed a couple tackles, but also finished, obviously, on uh, quite a few of them, and was able to show some versatility, I think, that maybe puts him in a different category from Deshaun White, from uh, Justin Harrington, who is listed as the number two at that spot. So, I, I think in the situations where Kanek makes the most sense, I think you're going to see him a little bit more than uh, he had been early in the season. I think his role's got a chance to grow and grow and grow. They really liked him uh, coming out of Hayes and, uh, you know, it uh, pursued him even after uh, Brent Venables said that he wasn't going to go after any of those Clemson commits. Um, Obviously, so there was a different situation with, because he, he said he wasn't going to go to Clemson if, uh, if uh, Venables wasn't there. So um, Brent Venables eventually came around to being all right with uh, bringing him to Norman with him. And uh, certainly to this point, it's paid off well. And I know there's a lot of OU fans who are really fired up to see Darren Tannock's performance uh, on Saturday in Lincoln.
3: So is glaring obvious about K-State that Adrian Martinez has been a bit timid throwing the football down the field. 35 of his 41 completions have been for 10 yards or less. Uh, but in Oklahoma's pass defense, that leads me to my next question because we need to see Adrian throw the ball down the field, but it looks like this Oklahoma pass defense is a lot better from last year, at least so far, would you say so?
1: Yeah, they certainly have. And I, I think a big part of that has been their their pressure up front and, and making it easier on the back end of the defense with all those tackles for loss and sacks that they've racked up. But they're also covering uh, much better, you know, Woody Washington has has been improved from even what he was a year ago when he was probably their best uh, secondary piece. And then uh, you know, Jaden Davis has played really well as has uh, Billy Bowman who bounced around a little bit last year and never really found a home and, um, sort of fell out of the rotation by the end of the year, but he has uh, uh, really performed uh, well for them at that said one of those safety spots. So um, they they feel good about the way that they're they're defending on the back end, uh, but there are going to be some more challenges that are going to uh, put them in some more stress than they've been over the first three weeks. Uh, potentially starting this week, but you would think that that would be a good matchup for. Uh, what we've seen so far out of what Kansas State has done offensively uh, it should be a good matchup for the Sooners.
3: Well, Ryan, it should be uh, certainly a fun one. Primetime game, national television, K-State and Oklahoma renewing the rivalry. Uh, Ryan, greatly appreciate your time, and we'll see you down in Norman.
1: Sounds great. Really looking forward to it. Have a good one.
3: A big thank you to Ryan Aber for that breakdown of the Oklahoma Sooners, ranked number six in the country, entering this game against Kansas State. We wrap up Hour 1 after the break, and when we come back, Robert's World with KC Superfan Robert Lipson, and it's our trip around the Big
0: 12 Huddle. We wrap Hour 1 of PowerCAD Game Day up next. Follow us on Twitter at PowerCAD Game Day, and join us in the pregame conversation. PowerCAD Game Day continues next. It's the annual Autumn Mattress Savings Event at Beds for Less, 519 Fort Riley Boulevard. Twin mattresses starting at
2: $99. Queen mattresses just $199. Beds for Less is your Beauty Rest Black and Serta Arctic Headquarters. Free statewide delivery included with these luxury mattress lines. For a limited time, receive a $200 Amazon gift card with the purchase of any Beautyrest Black or Arctic mattress. Take
3: your mattresses home today with no money down and no credit needed. Same day statewide delivery available. Hurry to Beds for Less, 519 Fort Riley Boulevard in Manhattan.
8: Many years ago, the young Romanov princess went missing. Now, a woman has appeared with no name and no past, but with the drive to discover her destiny. Her past is a mystery. Her future is an adventure. Anastasia, the Broadway musical.
3: At McCain Auditorium, September 27th, sponsored by The Trust Company
0: the big 12 huddle powercat game day's experts around the big 12 conference the big 12 huddle brought to you by
3: Vanderbilt's your work boot center locally owned with nine locations across kansas online at vanderbilt's.com back on powercat game day mitch fortner cole manbeck and Derek young k-state in oklahoma at seven o'clock for the big 12 huddle let's start with dy i saw this a couple of days ago where pac-12 commissioner george klykoff he had said on a, I think it was a podcast, that he he doesn't anticipate any more teams exiting from the Big Ten or, or leaving the Pac-12 and exiting towards the Big Ten or Big 12. So, D.Y., I don't know how much merit there is around that uh, statement.
4: I don't put a whole lot of merit into anything that George Klyovkov says. He also uttered this statement as well, that UCLA could make more money in the Pac-12 and they could the the Big Ten that's just asinine right I mean Big Ten's making more money than the SEC does he really think that the Pac-12 can give the Bruins more compensation to the Big Ten I mean that's just you know crazy talk so I, I really don't put a whole lot of merit into anything that he says for the record commissioners you know they say things that they posture most of the time but they also don't know what they don't know I remember Bob Bowlesby he, he thought that the, the league was as cohesive as it ever has been. One week later, Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. So, yeah, I just don't put a whole lot of merit to anything a commissioner says, but in terms of teams leaving the Pac-12 for either the Big Ten or the Big 12, look, I'd love the Big 12 to, to pluck away some members of the Pac-12, such as Utah, Colorado, Arizona, or Arizona State. I don't know what Cole thinks, but I, I kind of think that they'll need a little help in doing so. I don't think those schools are just going to leave before others i think it'll take the big 10 adding some kind of combination of oregon washington and stanford to get those other schools to leave for the big 12
5: yeah i would agree with that dy i mean and i, I just i think it's probably a little bit too optimistic by clive to state the things that he says he, he appears to be in over his head since he took over as the pac-12 commissioner Um, Some of the outlandish things he said, they formed the alliance that ended up being a running joke because it didn't even last a year. And then they got stabbed in the back by the Big Ten with the additions of UCLA and USC. Um, Yeah, I ultimately, you know, yeah, no one may leave this year, but, you know, Washington and Oregon won out. They're flirting with the Big Ten. They'll do anything to leave. It doesn't take a lot or division to get a couple schools to leave and the whole thing crumbles. And I think eventually that's what's going to happen.
3: I don't even know how to say his name. That's how much I care about the guy and what he has to say (laughs) on the matter. Uh, Topic number two we have here for the Big 12 huddle is about, well, it's around conference realignment. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, it was confirmed by both athletic departments and the athletic directors that once Oklahoma leaves for the SEC, Bedlam is done. I mean, this is the second longest continuous rivalry to be played in college football. You know, Mike Gundy, he called it childish with the conversation. And we also saw from Chad Weiberg, who's the athletic director of Oklahoma State, just said, hey, we're full. Can't play the game. We're full. Meanwhile, Joe Castiglione said, well, this is really on Oklahoma State to not continue this. So I don't know. This just seems like a bunch of pettiness between the two programs here, Cole. But this is also just another victim when it comes to rivalry game and, and conference realignment that you hate to see go away.
5: Well, it's a bummer, but it's all because of Oklahoma's decision to leave uh, for bigger and greater things in the SEC. I I don't put any blame really on Oklahoma State for not wanting to continue this. And look, you know, it's not their fault that Oklahoma is leaving this league. And the other aspect of it is if you're Oklahoma State and looking at this through a lens, you, you know, you already are going to be playing still in a respectable power five league in the Big 12 and, you know, Cincinnati and BYU, Central Florida, Houston, I mean, they've all proven to be top 25 capable teams over the last few years. So, you know, you're already going to be playing potentially nine league games against those types of teams. And then to have a, a dynamic powerhouse in the terms of Oklahoma and the non-con schedule, I mean, that's that's asking a lot for a, a Power 5 program to have to play every non-con game against an Oklahoma-type team. Uh, so I don't, I don't blame the Cowboys for it. Yeah, it, it stinks, you know, I think eventually – Bedlam will return. I mean, we've seen a lot of these rivalry games return, right? Kansas State, Missouri just played for the first time in 11 years. KU, Missouri in basketball finally returned just last year. Um, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, 11 years. The backyard brawl returned this year. So I think eventually cooler heads will prevail and you'll see Bedlam come back on the schedule uh, because both teams recognize how important it is for the university and the state. But it's going to take several years before that happens.
3: Yeah, I agree, and I you know if it is a 10- year break, hey, Oklahoma State, I guess uh, on the bright side, that's 10 years of not seeing the rivalry complete, completely become even more one-sided and it has been owned by Oklahoma since, uh, since 1910. All right, that's going to do it for the Big 12 huddle. It's now time to jump to Roberts World, and it's brought to you by High V. Gear up for your next tailgate at Manhattan High V, where there's a helpful smile in every aisle. It's time for another edition of Robert's World.
0: Respect the streak. Robert's World with K-State Superfan Robert Lipson.
3: Welcome to another edition of Robert's World on PowerCat Game Day. I'm Mitch Fortner with K-State Superfan Robert Lipson. Robert K-State now 2 and 1 after a disappointing 17 to 10 loss to Tulane. What did stand out to you about that loss from the Cats?
8: Well, so much for leaving the game at the end of the third quarter again. Like I thought realistically, I was very impressed with Tulane. The first thing I want to emphasize. Emphasizes their team did not falter they did not waver after those two untimely interceptions we had from them that's a sign of a very well coached team and a very mentally tough team when the Green Wave saw that Adrian could not throw the ball deep they loaded the box and that's how they stopped Deuce Vaughn and the covered wagon this Saturday will do the same thing Adrian must prove that he can throw the ball accurately downfield Tulane is good enough to play in this conference. I was very impressed with Tulane.
3: Well, with Adrian Martinez, K-State's quarterback, there's been a lot of complaints about him not letting the ball loose, throwing it down the field.
8: Did you also catch that? Well, Adrian has to show real mental toughness in the heat of severe pressure like he's going to get down there. Otherwise, I'd like to see what Jake Rubley can do. I still have faith in Adrian, but he's got to prove it to me.
3: Well, we're now into week four. Who do you see right now making the Big 12 championship now that we're really getting uh, into Big 12 play?
8: It's way too early to tell you. I don't have a clue. Although the covered wagon is playing good, but it's, it's a toss-up.
3: Well, we're heading on the road for the first time this season. Norman, Oklahoma, to take on the Oklahoma Sooners. Where is your road game streak right now?
8: It'll be 195 consecutive as of this Saturday, and counting. I did make all of the road games in conference play during COVID. Richard Myers and Eugene, the athletic director, that I made all the road games and conference play, and um, i want to thank the ticket office for taking care of me like that and keeping my streak going if we qualify for the big 12 championship game that'll be my milestone 200th
3: you think k-state can beat oklahoma today
8: defensively yes offensively it remains to be seen
3: all right robert that's all the time we have for roberts world this week thank you for your time and we'll talk to you next week you you
8: have a wonderful decade and i hope everybody stays healthy over and out roberts roberts world
3: And once again, a big thank you to Robert Lipson for his time in Robert's world. And that's going to do it for Hour 1 of Powercat Game Day. Still to come, a full Hour 2, including under further review. Meet the Wildcats this week is with Deuce Vaughn. Our six predictions for Saturday night. What to watch for our predictions, but after the break, it's our coach interview with offensive coordinator Colin Klein and our top three storylines. Hour two of PowerCat Game Day is up next.
0: The game is just the beginning. Get post-game video highlights and exclusive analysis online at PowerCatGameDay.com.
2: Ready to upgrade your next company gathering? Meeting space at Midwest Dream Car Collection offers one-of-a-kind entertainment in a stunning museum setting. Book a private meeting room and your guests can explore over 60 vehicle exhibits and enjoy beer and wine on tap. With modern audiovisual and a versatile setup, it's the perfect fit no matter the occasion. Holiday availability is limited, so contact Midwest Dream Car Collection today and celebrate in style this
3: December. For more information, visit them online at midwestdreamcarcollection.org. Every body is different. Some get injured and others wear down. At Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, your unique condition is at the center of what we do. Locally owned, OSMC is all-inclusive, featuring state-of-the-art equipment and treatment from diagnosis through surgery, physical therapy, and a return to activity to get you back to an active and pain-free life. Orthopedican and Sports Medicine Center, the same doctors trusted by Kansas State University. The greatest comebacks begin here. More information at kansasortho.com.